faith. Last week we we started off by just teaching the principles of stewardship and understanding what those principles of stewardship are. Forgive me for leaving this up here this morning. It was probably a little bit of a a, a distraction. We've talked about stewarding our faith, and uh, we talked about uh, really the perspective of God, that God has, and that's kind of where I want to pick up this morning. Uh, in our passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 3, there's several verses here that you'll recognize and there's, there's an important context to what's here that we, when we read the word of God, that we have to uh, understand and really just accept. How many understand and believe that the Bible is the word of God? How many believe that? Okay. In order to, uh, in order to um, do more than just say that I believe it, it requires faith. Do you agree with that? So faith is really just taking God at his word. If this is what God says, whether I believe it or not doesn't change it. But God's obviously said it so that as I believe it, I need to receive it and then I need to act upon it. That's faith because true faith without works is not faith at all, according to the Bible. So faith is not just saying I believe it. Faith is believing it enough to do something about it, according to James. All right. So we can't just be hearers of the word. If we do so in James one twenty six, we deceive ourselves. We talked about that this morning in our Sunday school hour. And then as we receive the word of God and we hear it and we do it, that's when pure religion takes its, its, uh, uh, its form and shape. That's when we become really children of the light and children who walk in the truth. You'll find that in the New Testament. So this morning, I want us to open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3 and read several verses together. We're going to read down through verse 10, and we're going to talk about uh, stewardship and giving this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, notice what the Bible says. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Those of you that were in the Sunday school hour understand what that word keep is. And then notice what it says, because of that, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine what? Heart. Okay. Verse four, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now look at verse five. Many of us know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now look at verse nine. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Again, if you look at verse nine, honor the Lord with thy substance. I grew up in the 80s, which for me was an amazing time of patriotism, of uh, freedom, enjoying my family, cheap gas, and the last of my days in high school. So I remember the 80s very carefully. Though for me, it was amazing as a teenager. For most, it was probably the most lucrative decade in our country's history. The 80s are known as the decade of excess and indulgence across the lines. The only problem is that for many who grew up in that decade, it elevated the value, the need, and the love for money above all things. Now, here's the Bible principle behind that. The love of money is the root of all evil. 
Now, we know from Scripture that money is a tool to be used, not a, a master to be served. And as believers, when it comes to giving, we also can struggle with money. We also can struggle what to do with it, even when it comes to giving to the Lord. I believe in giving to the Lord. I believe it wholeheartedly. I believe the Bible teaches it. Uh, I believe that God blesses it. I believe that God uses it for the sake of the gospel. And for over 20 years, my family and I have faithfully given to the Lord and graciously God has taken care of us. I can still remember year over year increasing our giving and increasing our giving over the years and the joy that came to our family and often wondering how could a Christian not give to the Lord? I remember thinking to myself, how, how could someone who says they're saved not give to the Lord for all that he's given to us? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, giving from a heart of love to the Lord is as much a part of the Christian life as baptism is. Giving to the Lord out of a heart of love is as much of the Christian life as prayer, as much as reading the Bible, as much as loving one another, as much as serving or observing the Lord's table, as much as sharing the gospel with the lost, giving is a part of that same Christian life. I also believe it's one of the key elements of faith that God uses to build a life that keeps them centered and immovable in God's will. Listen to the Bible as it says in Psalm 10 and verse 6. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, I shall, uh, for I shall never be in adversity. This is a heart of faith that says because of where my heart is located, uh, where it's fixed, because of who I'm trusting in, nothing is going to move me. Psalm 15 and verse 5. He that putteth, listen to this verse. He that putteth not out his money to usury, which is for gain, okay? nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. God ties the immovable to the motive and and the action of what I do with my income. Psalm 112 and verse 5. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. So as as we approach this matter of giving... It's important to know that giving is a matter of our stewardship. And our stewardship, according to the Bible, is a matter of our faith. Here in our text, God does the same thing. He speaks of our faith in verses 5 and 6 and trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. And then he talks about giving of the substance that God has given to us. And so I want us to open our Bible and open our hearts this morning. And I want you to consider three important principles surrounding this matter of giving. Now, again, I haven't taught on giving for probably three or four years, and and that's my wrong as a pastor. I'm supposed to preach the whole counsel of God. And as I preach of the Christian life, if it's as much a part, uh, if the gospel is much as part of the Christian life or baptism, so is giving. And everyone needs to please help me and say amen right there. All right, good. All right. Now that we're on the same page, at least I feel better about you saying that. All right. Number one, if we're going to give by faith. If we're going to say, Lord, I want to honor you in my giving, number one, we need to have a proper perspective. A proper perspective. And it's a proper perspective about a lot of things. Notice back in, in the Bible here in Proverbs 3 and verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Then notice this last phrase, and lean not unto your own understanding. See what that says? And so here, two times in the Bible, uh, in, our, in the first 10 verses, God says, Listen, 
there's a difference between trusting me and what you think is right. There's a difference between your reasoning and my reasoning. And because my reasoning is not your reasoning and you can't understand that, here's what I need from you. Your trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you can't understand, look, I don't understand all that, that, that encompasses the, the deity of Jesus Christ. I don't understand all that encompasses God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't fathom all of that. I, I, I can only describe it based on what I know. What I don't know about it, I just have to trust God for. I don't understand all the things that why they happen in life. But what I don't understand is not going to lead me in my decisions. What I have to lead in my decisions is my trust in the Lord. And I can't lead in my own. So perspective then, a proper perspective. Perspective, they tell me, is the capacity, listen, to view things in their true relations or their relative importance. That's what a perspective is, all right? And as we approach this matter of giving... We need to make sure that we have the right perspective of several things. Now, remember, in order to understand what I need to know that God wants me to know about giving, I have to have a proper perspective of several things. Number one, of God as the owner of all things. I have to have that. Now, remember, perspective is the capacity to view things in their true relation. It doesn't get any more true than Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. God, as we talked about last week, is the owner of all things. He freely gives those things to us, which secondly means if my perspective on God as the owner is right, then letter B, I have to have a right perspective of myself, a perspective of ourselves as stewards. All right. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs eight seventeen, I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Listen. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment. Listen, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. God is very careful to understand that, look, all of this is mine. And I'm the one, as we said last week, that gives you the ability to get wealth. Aside from that, I'm going to take what is mine and I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to have to manage that. Last week, the entire message was about managing my life. And part of that subset we talked about was not just truth and not just time. It was also our treasure. It was also the money that we have. We have decided if money is that important, God says, well, I decided that a long time ago. I know it's important. But what I want you to remember is that it's not yours. It's mine. It all belongs to me. I'm the one that gives you the stewardship. And remember, in 1 Corinthians 4, it says that it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, we also learn the letter C, our purpose as stewards is to glorify God. We have to have that proper perspective. So let's run through it again. I have to make sure that I view God in the, as the true relation to himself. And that is that he's the owner of all things. Then I have to make sure that I see and remember that I am simply a steward of all that God blesses me with. Then I've got to remember that the purpose of my stewardship of all that God has given to me is to glorify and benefit him. And to do so faithfully. Remember our story from last week. When a steward begins to view his life as an owner. And I'm guilty. 
as probably many of us in here are. Hopefully not as much. Maybe there's hopefully there's just a few, but not many. But all of us at some point in time have taken ownership of that which doesn't belong to us. That's the reality. If God's the owner, I'm just the manager. And what happens is when I take possession, my hands clench and I keep it close to me. And God says, wait a minute, it's not yours. And when in our parable last week, Jesus said, well, if that's the way you're going to be as a steward, the Lord said to a steward, then you're not going to have your stewardship anymore. I'm going to have to take it. Well, then what did the steward do? He had a change of heart. And that's what we need to do if we don't have the right perspective is change our heart as to how we view all that we possess. Do you possess, do you possess your life? Because it's your life. I've worked hard for this. This is what I've done. Or do you have you received your life as a gift that God wrapped and gave to you? You see, there's a huge difference. That perspective manages everything. That's the hidden motive, right? So we need to remember things always go wrong in life when I think it belongs to me. The perspective of my life. I have to have the right one. That my purpose is to glorify God and to do so faithfully. Number D, letter D. I need to have the right perspective of giving in respect to all that I know. Now, if I have the right perspective of those of those things, then I need to give according to what I know. I know that God is the owner of all things. How many believe that all things belong to God? It's all his. The Bible's specific about these things, all right? How many believe that as Christians, not only is our life given to us, but everything that we have in our life has been given to us? We would say God has blessed us with these things. How many believe that, all right? That perspective then is taken into consideration as a steward. Now I need to look at my giving in respect to all that I just said that I know. Now remember, I don't see like God sees. So perspective is everything. Remember 1 Samuel 16, 7, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. So I need to remember that. I need to remember Isaiah 55, for my thoughts, God says, are not yours. Neither my ways are your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It doesn't, it's not talking about elevation. You know, Morgan Hill, we're like 235 feet off the ocean. Okay, that's our, our elevation, which is not much. It's not talking about elevation this way. It's talking about priority and more important. It's talking about knowing something that I don't know. You can't fathom the mind of God, but God can fathom his mind. And what he shows to us is what we get to manage. So the biblical worldview, if I have a biblical worldview, I'm saying that I'm viewing this world. I'm viewing all that happens in this world. I'm viewing the economy. I'm viewing the politics. I'm viewing my family. I'm viewing my job. I'm viewing circumstances of life through the lens of the word of God. That's a biblical worldview. In other words, I'm longing to see things as God sees them. As long as I stay looking at things the way God sees them, sin will always be sin. And truth will always be truth. Does that make sense? The problem in our country, the problem in this world, is that truth is no longer truth. It's fallen in the streets. Judgment is no longer judgment. And sin is no longer sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you can compromise a moral position the way God sees it, and you can justify murdering a baby, whether it's before or after it's born, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what people say, I need to view that as the way God views it and say, I'm sorry, but that's sin. That's actually murder. Okay? Now we can, see how easy it was to get on that soapbox? 
right? Here's the problem. Christianity as a whole is hemorrhaging. Because we don't take the zeal of abortion and apply it across the board. We don't do that. We only soapbox the things that are contrary and very apparent. But can I tell you, the Bible says that pride's an abomination to God. Nobody wants to jump on that soapbox. The Bible says that no man can stand before envy. Nobody wants to stand on that soapbox. And the Bible talks about the Christian life as a whole. And what we've done is instead of having a biblical worldview, we take a biblical commercial view. Here's 30 second spot of what we, here's a 60 second spot. Here's an infomercial of three and a half minutes. Wait, there's more. And I, and I do that if I really like what God's selling there. See the difference? Instead of saying, no, Lord, all of life is yours. And all the truth comes from your mouth and wisdom comes from the mouth of God, Proverbs 2. And so what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to steward that truth and maintain a biblical view across the board. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a biblical view of your marriage? And I hope so. Do you have a biblical view of raising your children in this wicked and awful world? I hope that you do because without it, you're not going to you're not going to fare very well as a Christian. You're going to struggle. You're going to compromise. And the same is true, is true about our giving. Giving is not something that we do. It's something that we are, according to Warren Wiersbe. Giving is a way of life for the Christian who understands the grace of God. And that's throughout the Bible. That's what we're trying to gain here. When we, when we talk about biblical stewardship, it's not just of things that I think I need to manage for the glory of God. It's that all things already belong to God. Now, I'm simply surrendering my view, lean not into thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. Now what I'm doing is I'm subjecting my reason to God's omnipotence and saying, and omniscience and saying, Lord, what I don't understand, I'm surrendering to you by faith. And if this is the way it works, then so be it. I don't understand it, but it's not about what I understand. It's about what you understand. And it's about what I understand about who you are. And you are the God Almighty. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So we have to have a proper perspective. Secondly, we've got to have a proven plan. God doesn't just say, okay, just everybody give and just give. However, God, how many believe, how many believe that God is systematic? I'm going to say it again. How many believe God's systematic? If you don't believe that he is, and if you don't believe that he is, turn to Genesis one and it defines to you the systematic creation of God. Did he create the animals first? Uh, no. Had to have a place to put them, so he created the earth first. Did he create the animals before he created the food? Uh, no. He created the food first. And then he put the animals there. And then when all of creation was done, what did he do? He said, now I'm going to put my crown on it, people. And they're going to bear my image. And I'm going to give them a stewardship. And I'm going to let them manage all of my blessings and i'm gonna have a plan god is all about a plan look sometimes study the book of ephesians it will tell you that before the foundation of the world god had a plan for salvation very systematic laid it out systematically the law in the old testament laid it out systematically laid out salvation by grace through faith alone nothing but the blood of jesus christ it's all a system it's all an order now how many believe that and this is what the bible says god it's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. Okay? That's proven over and over throughout Scripture. Now, 
Verse 9 then says, honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruits, the Bible says, of all thine increase. Now, to honor the Lord with what the Bible says is the first fruits of all thy substance, that simply means the first and the best of all that you have. Now, listen, this was widely understood and practiced by Jews who followed the law. They knew exactly what God was talking about here. This, of course, was done the same way we would do it today, by faith, all right? Just because the substance is different, it doesn't change the scripture. It doesn't change the principle. The practice may be different, but it doesn't change the principle. What's the principle pillar in the life of a Christian? The just shall live by faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. And over and over again, what we do is we focus on the practice and we say, well, that's not the same. It is the same. The, the, the principle is the same. Methods may change, but principles never do. And so as God lays this forward, you need to understand what is giving based on. Get it in your mind that it's based on faith. It's based on trusting the Lord. Uh, Uncle Oscar was apprehensive about his first plane ride. Didn't like planes, but he was conjured into it. And uh, his friends, after he landed and got to their place, were eager to know how it went. They said, uh, Uncle Oscar, did you enjoy your flight? He said, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it might be, but I'll tell you this, I never put all my weight down. Now think about the ignorance in that statement. I'm going to suspend myself in the air for several hours and never put all my weight down in the seat. Now here's the problem. Uncle Oscar doesn't understand how flying in a plane works, right? He would be ignorant to that. By the way, some Christians don't know how giving should work either. That's the dumbest story. Why? Why is that guy even, he's on the plane. Whether he's sitting or standing, he's on the plane. Flying is flying. And, and he thought just by doing this, he wasn't. Get, he doesn't understand it. And I think sometimes that's the way Christians are when it comes to giving to the Lord. So I want to lay it out for you. Let, let, let's start with the systematic mind of God. Letter A, giving had the beginning, uh, the beginning of God's plan. The beginning of God's plan. Let's just start about, uh, just think about it. What's the beginning? Well, the, the first time you find giving in the Bible, it has uh, to do with the tithe. The tithe is a tenth, okay? It's, it's 10%. That's what it is. It's the beginning. You'll find it first mentioned in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20. Abraham goes and he saves Lot and all of his family and the, and the people who were taken captive from Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Abraham seizes them. He brings them back. Everybody's happy. Melchizedek comes out, the high priest of Salem. And he comes out uh, before Abraham, and Abraham stops. And he takes the spoils of all that he's gained from the enemies that took his nephew. And he takes 10%, sets it aside, and he offers it to to, uh, Melchizedek. He says, all that I have of thee, I will give thee a tenth. And he offers him, and God blesses that. By the way, before the law. Now, you need to remember that, Okay. Prior to the law, Abraham said, this is what I'm going to do from my heart to God. If there's 10 cattle, I'm going to give him one. If there's a thousand sheep, I'm going to give him a hundred. If there's 10,000, you understand, they took the portion or the proportion and they gave it as the beginning. Then God reiterates it in the law in Leviticus 23 and 27. He says, look, all that you have, I want the 10th. It belongs to the Lord. I want the first fruits. I want you to take the best of the hundred and I want you to give them to me. I don't want you to give me the last 10. I want the first 10. 
I don't want the leftovers because you and I both know you as God only does and knows that if you have a hundred ears of corn, you're probably going to have a few in there that are not so full. Probably going to have a few that don't produce the corn or not going to be as full. How many have ever had? Isn't that disappointing? You shuck it and like this far down, there's like no corn kernels. And you're like, I got chip. I paid, I paid, it's like six for a dollar, right? You know, whatever I pay. And now you can just break that off, right? Well, God knows that we'll be eating full kernels. God knows I'll get the full, full ears and he'll get the three quarter ears. Get it? So God says, look, here's what I need from you to make sure that, that you know what I know, that your perspective is right. I want the first and the best. I want the 10th. It's mine. The Bible says that the tithe is the Lord's in Leviticus 27, 30. Now it goes on. So it starts before the law in Abraham it goes into the law in Leviticus. And then when Israel has forsaken the law, God uses a prophet. And in, Pro- in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it tells them where to come back to. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So before the law in the law, and even after the law, when no one cares about the law, God says, you've robbed me. You've taken the tithe. And Israel has the audacity to stand up in the book of Malachi and say, wherein have we robbed you? Like God would say a non-truth. Like God has the audacity to go, oops, I got that wrong. You haven't actually robbed me. The tithe doesn't belong to me. And so it says, will a man rob God? Wherein you have robbed me. How when have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. Bring ye, he says, all the tithes in the storehouse. So the tithe has the beginning in the Old Testament. That's giving where it begins in the Old Testament. Um, J.L. Kraft. Anybody ever had Kraft macaroni and cheese? Ever in your life? Ever had it? How many love it? Still today. That orange powder is manna from heaven. I think that's what God rained down. Some of my kids, my mama used to make homemade, I mean like thick, big noodles, big cheese flavor, homemade mac and cheese. And I'd be like, mom, I can't turn this mouth. Can I just have macaroni and cheese in the blue box with the yellow thing? And, and she'd be like, oh, okay. I don't get it. She spent all of this time, money and effort making this beautiful thing that everybody else liked, but I like the old craft macaroni and cheese. My kids are that way today. They would rather have that, that orange powder. And by the way, look, I'm not gonna lie. I love it. If there's leftovers, I take the whole thing and just stuff it in my mouth. I'll eat it cold. I'll eat it hot. It doesn't matter. It's one of those things that my mouth's watering. It's one of those things that I just love. But did you know something that J.L. Kraft understood? He understood the biblical perspective of giving. J.L. Kraft, head of the Kraft Cheese Corporation, who had given approximately 25% of his enormous income to the Lord for many years, made this statement, and I quote, the only investment I ever made which has led to consistent increasing dividends is the money that I have given to God. Now, doesn't that what that says? It says, honor the Lord, verse 9, with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all the increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Anybody ever heard of J.D. Rockefeller? Anybody? J.D. Rockefeller said in this, and I quote, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which is $1.50 a week. Those are two guys that understood the principle of giving. And they understood that when I give, God is the one that replenishes and he does it way more. 
So we see a proven plan of giving has the beginnings in the Old Testament. But secondly, I want you to see the continuation of God's plan. The continuation of God's plan. Now, this is going forward now to New Testament. All right. And I want you to see it twofold. First of all, I want you to see this method of giving from the words of Christ. All right. Because a lot of people will say, well, the tithe is not in the New Testament. And, you know, it's not about the tithe anymore. It's about grace giving. And, and, and that means that I can give whatever I want. Well, let's just see what the New Testament actually teaches. So Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. And he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Listen, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment and mercy and faith. Listen, these ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Now, we would say, well, it, what does that mean? That means that Jesus is giving and understood and saying, listen, you knew because of who you are where tithing begins or where giving begins. It begins with the tithe. And he says, these ought you have to done, uh, you ought to have done. So Jesus is approving of the beginning plan. Matthew five seventeen. Think not, by the way, Jesus said that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill what the law was saying about giving. Luke 6, 38. So this is what Jesus says, give. <laughs> so it's the first word, give, comma, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet out with all it shall be measured to you again. So Jesus under, not only understands the principle of giving, he approves the method of tithing. And he says, this you, have, you ought to have done. So he approves it. Now watch this. That's the giving in the, in the New Testament according to the words of Christ. But notice the giving in the New Testament as a work of grace. All right? And I want you to remember the statement. Tithing is not about proportion. It's about principle. So it's not, okay, well, if you make, if you make $10,000 a year and you give 10%, it's not that big of a deal. But if I make a million dollars a year to give $100,000, that's just way more. No, it's not. Because it's not about proportion. It's about principle. And God says, look, my principles require your faith. What you are seeing, perspective, is the proportion. What I'm seeing, what I want in your heart of hearts is principle. I want principle. Hide thy word, my word in your heart. I want those principles to be there. Why? Over and over in this passage, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. They shall have health to thy neighbor, uh, health to thy navel and, and long life. God says, look, I want principle there because it matters. My riches are more valuable than gold and silver. Now watch. Giving is a work of grace. Galatians 3.24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster bringing us unto Christ. So God says, look, the law has a purpose in salvation, but it has a purpose in living. Okay? So how do you know that? Since you brought it up, a Pharisee said to Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? He said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So what does Jesus do there? He approves the law again and says, I want you to understand the law cannot save you, but it's teaching you a way of life. It's teaching you something that is necessary. I didn't just give the Ten Commandments 
for no reason. I gave them as a guide and they're guiding you to me. And Jesus said, I've given that to you. John 1, 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. So now we're getting into the physical manifestation of truth and the importance to us. So look at Romans 4. I don't know if you have this. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now watch. Was Abraham before the law or during the law? Before, long before the law. So now God says, listen, what you find in Abraham, that's the beginning of faith. Then Galatians says the law was given to you to trust me that I know what I'm doing. Systematically, it's going to lead you to a place. Where's that place? Grace. It's going to lead us to Christ. And and that's the whole plan that God would say, listen, the tithing is just the beginning. So if the law required me to tithe and I did it in obedience, when God saves me, how should my giving then be by grace? Less or more? Because the law couldn't save me. It, it, it can't. No man's justified by the law. But we are justified by grace through faith. So they're ever connected. How? By Abraham, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10. Now, when I look at that, I say, okay, so tithing isn't about, isn't necessarily about giving. It's about beginning. Grace takes over and says, now, what I want you to do is purpose in your heart. As I've prospered you, again, that perspective of all that God's prospered me in and said, now, you purpose in your heart based on my blessings and I'll receive them. But there's a starting point. If you won't do it by grace, then I need you to do it by the law. And then once you get a hold of it in honoring the Lord with your, with your substance, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill your barns. I'm going to burst out your grapes with new wine. And I'm going to make sure that you have plenty. And I want to do it all to prove one thing, that I'm God and I can. Now watch. There's a purpose. Let her see. So the beginning, the continuation, the purpose of God's plan. Larry Burkett said in his book, Business by the Book, talking about biblical giving, suggests that of the primary goals of a Christian, that giving is the primary goal of, of Christian business, that it is the funding of the gospel. Now think about that. When I have the right perspective of my giving, giving becomes disproportionate by a minimum. Now all I have to do is think, man, this is so that other people can hear the word of God. This is so that other people get saved. Paul said to the church at Corinth, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel freely? Listen, I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. Paul said, people gave to me so that I could go and freely give you the gospel. And now you are having a problem with me and accusing me of filthy lucre. Now you are trying to say that, that, that you're not worthy of the gospel. I took money from these people so that you could hear the gospel. That's the purpose. But there's a secondary purpose. The secondary purpose is for every Christian to grow their faith to the point where money is not something they serve but to the point where money is something that they use to serve the Lord. See, it all is tied together. This matter of trusting God and honoring the Lord and being enriched physically beyond just the measures of treasure, 
comes from the grace of God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and in knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, speaking of giving, he says, see that ye abound in this grace also. Look, when you grow in grace, when you give, there's no measure. You're giving because of the grace of God in you. You're giving freely. There are people in this room who are givers. What I mean by that is they hold everything loosely. They have no problem giving to others because they have no problem giving to God. And what they have, they see as not their own. And by the way, there is a spiritual gift of giving. God has a special has special vessels that he touches in their heart. And they say, people have a need, boom, they meet the need. They want to do it anonymously. It doesn't matter to them. They hold everything loosely and they give. And many give far more than what we would say they should or even they could. And yet what happens? God's faithful. They don't have any hesitations because of grace. Let me ask you a question. Do you give with hesitation or do you give cheerfully? Cheerfully is without hesitation. It means with no boundaries, no, no, no change to hold me back. Those chains of bills, those chains of motive, those chains of selfishness, whatever. The chains of an owner. And for some of us, money is the owner. And God says, no, no, no. I'm the owner. What I want you to do is I want you to grow in this grace also. So we have to have the proper perspective. We see, secondly, there's a proven plan. God says, prove me now herewith. And thirdly, God wants to remind us of a promised provision in verse 10, so shall thy barns be filled. You know, uh, Jesse, when my, uh, my wife and I were first married and we had uh, Ashley, um, we were constantly concerned about feeding the baby. We were constantly concerned about our home, if it was good enough, right enough. Um, I, we can, I, can remember, I can remember at the end of paying our bills, my wife says, we have $1.27 in the checking account. So let's be very careful. Praise the Lord, you probably won't have that problem, (laughs) okay? But I know what that's like. I know what it's like to think about, how am I going to provide for this baby? How how am I going to do this? How how am I going to sell everything I have, take a $1,000 profit, and move to Lancaster, the epitome of every vacation spot in in California, and I'm going to take, I'm going to take, three babies, the youngest of which is six months old, and I'm going to move to some apartment that really can't even fit us, and I'm going to go to school for three and a half years, have enough money to pay for all of that. And all my reasoning said, it's not going to work. And God said, but I am the one that said you could do it. And so the responsibility is not yours. It's mine. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. You're mine. That baby's mine. Your life is mine. Just give me that. And here's what I'll do. Your cupboards will be filled. Your bills will be paid for. When your car breaks, I'll give you another car. He did all of that and much, much more and has continued to do so. Why? Because I believed in his provision. What's the point of the passage? What's the point of any passage that we read? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do I believe him or not? Well, I believe him when it says that's murder and this is abortion and that's sin. But can I believe him for sustenance? Can I believe him when it comes to filling my barns? 
That takes a different perspective. I have to be reminded of that. I have to have a start, a, a place to start and then say, okay, God, this is where you started. This is where I'm going to start. Did you know the statistics say that over 90% of the people that say they're going to start at like 3% and tithe and build up to that 10%, over 90% never give it. No, I'm going to start at three and I'll build up. They never give it. And you know what happens? Their barns aren't filled. So, well, we're making it. Are you? How making it are you? Because if you have the feeling that I just got to have a little bit more, a little bit more, get it. You're not making it. The ends aren't meeting. Because God's not providing. Unbelievers don't understand the Bible view of giving. They just don't. Unbelievers. The Bible view is there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth much more than his meat, but attendeth to poverty. The more I hold on to, the less I have. That's what that verse is saying. The more I keep, I just, I got to, it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, People get money and they got, they're just constantly doing this. I got to get more. I got to keep track of it all. I got to keep track of it all. I got to keep track of it all. And God says, that's your problem. God says, if you really want to have, let me have it. And I'll do more than just fill your barns. I'll fill your heart. The happiest people on earth are the people who have discovered the joy of giving because they have discovered the joy of God's promises. Let me give you a few and we're done. First of all, the promise that God is able to provide. He is always able to provide. I don't have time. Would you please do yourself a favor and read Psalm 78, 19 through 24 today? Read about how people complained that they didn't have and then and said, can God actually do this? And then it's going to show you how God actually did that. Okay? I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it. That's what verse 10 is there for. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all whatsoever we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That's what the Bible says. So God's ability to provide. Secondly, I want you to remember that God is faithful to provide. Always faithful. So how do you know that? Because God is faithful. That's part of his, his uh, attributes. Psalm 37, 25, David said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I... Excuse me, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread, but my God shall, uh, begging for bread, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Man, I pleaded that verse for over a month and said, God, I've trusted in you to bring my family here. I've trusted in you, and I don't have a job. I don't have any money, and I'm just trusting you. I don't want to doubt, but God, it's been a month. I don't know how you're going to do it. And then he did it. And I look back and go, of course he did it. He said he was going to do it. I just wanted him to do it a little sooner than he did it. But I'm really thankful that he did do it. Let her see the promise that God graciously provides. That means more than that. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly is going to reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Let me say this. God just gave me this. That doesn't mean, it says, he that soweth sparingly. It doesn't mean that you should tithe less than tenth, a tenth. But if you do, you're the one that's missing out. Let me ask you a question. God, Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law. But he didn't condemn the ones that broke it. 
right? So you cannot tithe and still live. You cannot give and still reap. It just is not going to be very much. The question is, how much of a Christian life do you want to live? How much of the blessing of God do you want? And it goes beyond just the, 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 the monetary value of it. How much of God's grace do you want? Because he that soweth sparingly reapeth also sparingly. Every, uh, the Bible says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, the fact remains, we have to distinguish then the, between the true riches that God promises the faithful steward and the riches of this world. We have to say, okay, Lord, if stewardship and giving go together and all of it is a matter of faith, then the question is, how's my faith? It's not how's my giving. It's never about the giving. Remember, that's the practice. It's about the principle. What kind of life do I want to live? A life of faith? And that includes giving. Now, look, last week we just talked about the biblical principles of it. Next week we're going to talk about the family. The following week we're going to talk about trials. All of it's stewardship. And, and, and we'll get excited about talking about the family. We'll get excited about talking about these. But really not even the preacher gets excited about talking about giving. And yet it's in the book, isn't it? God says, here's the beginning. Here's the continuation. And here's the reason. I want you to honor me with all of your substance. All that I've given to you, I want you to honor me with. I want to ask you this and we'll close. Are you honoring God with all of your substance, with all of your life, or just part of it? Would you be willing to trust the Lord with your tithe, taking 10% of whatever is an increase and saying, I'm going to give this to the Lord. I don't understand it, but I know this. God's giving me 90%. And all he wants is 10%. I can do that. And that equity stake in your faith is going to increase, especially if you give it over to grace. And say, Lord, after what you've done for me and all that you've blessed my life, how could I not follow this plan of giving? Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. I thank you so much, Lord, for the blessings that have been in my life and in my family's life simply because of the simple principle. And God, it is very simple. Every child can know that a penny of every, uh, 10 cents of every dollar belongs to you. And Lord, that seems, we, we, sometimes as parents, we, we oversimplify just that and think that it's not really that big of a deal. And yet when you come to $100 and $1,000 and $10,000 and $100,000, it does become a big deal. It becomes a bigger deal in our eyes than in yours because the principle is the same. Lord, may we not only teach our children how to trust you. I pray that we would trust you with all of our heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this morning as the piano begins to play, I could ask you how your giving is because that's not the goal of stewardship. But I do want to ask you how your trust in God is. How's your faith today? Well, Pastor, I haven't had a very good week. I haven't trusted God as much as I should have, and it's it's revealed its ugly head in my life. Well, let's fix that today. God says, come and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they could be white as snow right now. Confess it. Agree with God. How is your faith? 
then the obvious elephant in the room is how is your giving? Because in many ways, my faith is reflected in my giving. And I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning if as you go out and you look at those boxes on both sides, that you could, with a pure heart, say, God, you have all of my heart. And because of that, today, I'm giving you your tithe. I'm going to honor you. And I want to honor you from this day forward. Increase my faith, Lord, and help my unbelief. May God bless the faith of his people. He always does. He rewards those. And may God bless this church and the people who have given long before we have gotten here. We are sitting on the blessings of others that have given. Now may we do what God wants from us and be faithful to the Lord in our stewardship. How many would say, Pastor, I want my faith to be stronger in the Lord. I want my life to be pleasing to the Lord by faith. And that's my prayer this morning, that God would help me to live more by faith this week than last week. How many would say, that's my prayer. Pastor, here's my hand. Pray for me. Just lift it up real quick, all over the building. Now let's pray to that this morning, and then let's live to that by the grace of God. Lord, 